Well, one of my favorite memories that I always laugh at when I think back to my childhood is we used to take a lot of family road trips down to Arizona and Florida. My grandparents were snowbirds, and so we'd go see them in the wintertime, and it was amazing because we get to get out of Minnesota a little bit, which is just absolutely terrible in the winter. I think we can all agree, except for this last couple of days, right? It's been, it's been pretty nice, but one of my favorite memories is getting out of the van at like 11 p.m. at like a nasty old rest stop or gas station. And we'd open the sliding door to our van. Now we got four kids in my family. And then my parents also love fast food and junk food. So we'd open the door to our sliding van and we're at a gas station at 11 PM and, and chip bags and pop cans and just crap would fall out of our van. It would be so embarrassing. My mom would always be like, Oh my goodness, like close the door. People can't know that we travel like this all the time. And we'd get out of the van. We'd be in our like ratty, nasty sweatpants no shoes on. All my siblings would be arguing like, where's my shoes? Where's my shoes? I need to get in the gas station. Where's my shoes? And I can only imagine, this is why it's one of my favorite memories, because I can only imagine what people at that rest stop or gas station must have thought of us as people. Like, oh my goodness, like how long have they been in that car? They all look horribly disgusting. Like they all look like they've been affected by something in their lives. And it's just so funny to look back on like, man, we just... We were that family that would just get out of the van and we're just scrubbing greasy hair and everything. And we look absolutely ridiculous. And I look back on it because I was like eight years old when we traveled. So I didn't think anything of it at the time, but I can only imagine like how my parents must have felt looking at their offspring, right? That's like, as we go into the gas station. So funny. But there was one memory that I had as we're traveling to Arizona. And I was about 10 years old at this time. And we're driving through the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. And the, my other three siblings, they're all sleeping. It's late at night, probably 10 o'clock. And my parents are up in the front seat. And they're, I can hear a little you know, whisper, chit-chat. And they're talking about the road conditions. Because at this point of the night, there's a lot of snow starting to fall. And when you're in the Rocky Mountains, when you're on those windy roads, even a little bit of snow can make that much of a difference. If you've ever driven through them, you know what I'm talking about. But as a 10-year-old kid, I'm sitting in the middle row of our minivan, and I'm watching the snowfall. My eyes are peeled on the windshield because I've never driven before. I don't know what it, what it takes to drive and stuff like this. And, you know, I talked to my dad. He's fine with it. He's an experienced driver. But I'm sitting in the back seat as a 10-year-old kid thinking, are we going to die? Because it's at the point of the night where it's so dark and there's so much snow that you can only see what the light of your headlights light up. And all you can see is a little bit of pavement and then just thousands of snowflakes falling. And it's one of those nights where it's like, man, you can, you can barely see. It's tough to see. And so every bend in the road that we drove around, I thought, this might be the day that I die. <laughs> and we're going to fall down this 4,000 foot cliff and this is going to be it. But I came to this realization. I remember this moment that I had. When I'm sitting in the back seat, my eyes are just peeled and I, I'm fearful, I'm anxious, I'm worried, I'm thinking that we're going to die and my dad's not thinking two things about it, but I'm thinking we're going to die. I had this moment of realization in my mind that my dad was driving. We're going to be okay because my dad was driving. And I don't know if that, that means anything to you when I say that, but for me, like, I almost get emotional when I say my dad was driving. Because my dad was a provider. He was a protector. He loved us deeply. He not only knew you know, how to drive, but he cared for us and he was going to be with us, right? He was, he was in control even when I didn't even realize it. And I think, you know, as we're going through this series called Prison Break, there's a lot of things that we're going through. And there's a lot of us who have been through things in the past. And I think that we need to come to the realization today. We need to have this kind of snap back to reality moment in our lives and recognize who is in control. 
that no matter what happens to us, no matter what we're going through, no matter what situation we're in, if we feel out of control, there is one who is in control. And so the question that I want to ask you this morning before we dive into our scripture passages, what do you need to come to the realization to in your life? Is there anything that God is doing in your life that you need to just kind of step back and say, okay, God, you are in control and I see it. Is there anything happening in your life where you can see the hand of God? You can see the work of God in your life. Maybe there's a struggle that you're going through. Maybe Maybe there's an addiction that you're going through, whether it's alcohol or whatever it might be, or maybe there's relationship issues in your family right now, and it's a huge struggle. But you kind of step back, and over the last three weeks during the series, or, or maybe in your past, as you look at like 10 years ago, you can see how God is healing, how God is protecting, and you can see and you can sense God's presence with you. This is what I want to have in our minds today, because as we are in week three of our prison break series, we've been hearing all about this miracle that God had in place for the apostle Peter. The apostle Peter was in prison, chained up, and his, his fate was death. But we see God break his chains by the power of an angel, by sending an angel to help him. And Peter gets out of prison. It's this miraculous story. And I think as we read the story, at least for me, I get this sense of like, wow, God is so good. God is so powerful. Look what he did for Peter. But I think that we have to take a step back and look at our own lives as well sometimes. We have to take a step back and look at what has God done in our lives? Because I look at my life, I'm only 26 years old, only. I'm, I'm getting old, right? 26. But I look at my life. And even though I'm only 26, there are so many milestones. There are so many markers where I can point back to say, God was present or God was powerful and he was with me. And so this is the, this is the mindset I want us to have this morning as we're going through one of the final passages of this story is what has God done in your life? I think all of us need to have a moment where we kind of snap back to reality and say, okay, where has God worked? In my life, because there's one thing I do know. It's that God is a protector. God is a sustainer. God is a creator. We just sang it. God is a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. He's a way maker. He's a healer. He's a creator. He is everything. How have you seen him work in your life? Because he is working in our lives even even when we're not paying attention. And so our passage this morning comes from Acts chapter 12, verses 9 through 11. And I'm going to pick up about halfway through the story of Peter's prison break. At this point in the story, Peter's chains have fallen off. He's followed the angel out of the prison, and he is a free man. And here's where we're going to pick up. It says, Peter followed the angel out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards, and he came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself, and that's the phrase that we're going to kind of hinge on this morning. Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. And so here's what's happening at this point in the story, Peter is now a free man, right? His chains have been broken. He's walked out of the prison with the angel. And now he's a free man on the streets of Rome. And he's about to go look for a prayer meeting. But this is what happens. This is what I love about the end of verse 10. The end of verse 10 says, suddenly the angel left him. And so not only are we reading about this great miracle 
that just happened in Peter's life, but Peter is experiencing the very presence of God and the power of God firsthand in his own life. But now we get this picture. We get this sense in the story that the angel is gone. The miracle is over. And Peter is having this sort of snap back to reality moment because a few verses earlier in the story, Peter didn't know what was happening. He thought he was having a vision. He thought he was dreaming. He didn't know what happened. But now when Peter says that, when it says the angel left Peter, he's having this moment of reality. He's saying, oh, this was no vision. I am a free man. And this is the moment of reality I think many of us need to have in our own lives because we read the story of Peter and we think this is an amazing miracle. This is a powerful miracle. God is working in Peter's lives. We read the, you know, every story in the Bible and we can, we can say God is such a passionate miracle worker. He loves his children. But the way that God works in the Bible is the same exact ways that he is working today. You know, when I just list off all of God's characteristics, and there's many, many more, but when I'm talking about God as a creator, God as a sustainer, God as love, God as a healer, God as all of those things, he is all of those things because we see them in the Bible, but we not only see them in the Bible, we see them in our own lives. And so I think that we all need to have a moment just like Peter had, where we have this moment where, you know, when suddenly the angel leaves him, he comes to this moment of realization that, hey, this was no fluke. This wasn't by his own power. This wasn't by his own strategy, but this was God's hand in Peter's life. And God is working in his life. But as I read this story, I think, man, how is God working in every single one of our lives? And this is a very basic sermon this morning, but I think it's so incredibly important because how easy is it to go day by day by day and forget what God is doing or not pay attention to what God is doing. I look at my own life and as I was preparing for the sermon and preparing, preparing for the sermon a couple of weeks ago, what I was trying to do is trying to you know, think of certain milestones in my life or certain markers in my life where it's like, man, God was present or God was working. And even as a 26 year old, I had dozens. And I think it's so easy to overlook it. I think it's so easy to say, you know, every time we get out of a financial hole, it's so easy to say, well, it's because of my financial you know, my clever financial maneuvering, <laughs> or it's so easy to say, well, I lost my job. So I just got to go apply for a new one. But what we don't recognize sometimes is man, God is providing for us every single day. God is providing and he's working our lives every single day. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. And we must never take any pride in anything that happens to us. We must recognize that God's hand is working. I remember last year, I was working on my house. We were were remodeling. We just bought this house and it was old. It needed a ton of work. And we knew it was going to be a lot of work. We knew it was going to be a little bit of money. But if you've ever remodeled the house, you know what I mean? It needs a lot more work. It needs a lot more money. (laughs) And so I'm sitting in what's going to be my daughter's bedroom. And it's about nine or 10 o'clock at night. I had a full work day at the office. Then I had a full evening of work at the house. And I'm just exhausted. And I'm about to go home, but I just needed like 10 to 15 minutes just by myself to just kind of sit there and be alone. And so I'm sitting in my daughter's future bedroom and I pull out my phone and I open up my Wells Fargo app and I look at my bank account and I'm like, crap. <laughs> One of those moments where it's like, yes, this is going to be way more expensive than we expected. But in this moment right now, as I'm looking at my phone, I'm realizing that we have like another week until our next paycheck. And we've got our student loans coming out. We've got other stuff coming out. I'm like, I don't know how this is going to work without me putting more on the credit card. And it was one of these moments where it's like, man, this is getting stressful. This is hard. 
I'm feeling anxious. And as I sat on the floor of that bedroom, I could just feel like the weight of the world and the pressure of the world just, just building in my life. And I thought, man, I can't do this anymore. And so I had a moment of, ref- of reflection with God. I had this moment of prayer with God. That, and then I just asked God, God, you have to get us through this. You have to figure this out because I can't do it. And what do you know? God answers prayers. The very next day, I got to the house after work and I had a, a gas card in our mailbox that somebody had just dropped off in our mailbox. Two days later, I checked the mail again and somebody had sent us a $50 bill. And it's not much, right? A gas card and a $50 bill, it's not much, but it was enough to just stretch us a little bit farther. And as I, as I thought about that time, as I'm sitting alone in my daughter's future bedroom, I thought, God is a provider. I mean, how many times do we have to kind of step back and sort of snap back to reality and say, God, look at what you have done. You know, I love when there's, when there's spiritual highs in our lives and we read the story of Peter and we're thinking he must've been on cloud nine as he's walking out of that prison thinking, I am a free man. And even as he gets out of the prison, he sees the physical streets of Rome. He's saying, I got out, God got me out. And you know, sometimes we all get in these spiritual high moments where we're just like, man, God is here, God is working. That's why I love worship because, you know, we, we want to feel God's presence. We want to sense God's presence when we're worshiping him. When, when the worship team's on stage and we're singing, it's just like God is here and God is good. We're singing, we're praising. It's a good thing. But I know that with every spiritual high comes spiritual lows. With every spiritual high, whenever we feel strong in our faith, it can only last for so long. There's going to be moments where it's just like that. It feels like either we're down in the pit or we're just kind of down you know, in, in our normal faith again. Because with every spiritual high comes a spiritual low. But in that, that is for a purpose. Because we're not going to walk around on cloud nine all the time with Jesus and be like, oh, it doesn't matter what's happened to me because Jesus is good. That's not going to happen, okay? And we want to have that faith, but we're weak and we're human. And so we're going to have these moments where we feel distant from God where we're not feeling the presence of God, where we're not feeling close in our relationship with him. We're going to have those moments. But there's those moments have a purpose. And when it says suddenly the angel left Peter, we're getting the sense that right. The miracle is done. God's presence hasn't left Peter because it doesn't leave his people, but the angel has left him. And now he's back on the streets of Rome and he has to find his way to where he's supposed to go. But I think that we all have these moments. Sometimes we're like, man, God was so good here, but now I feel like you know, my faith isn't as strong or the spiritual high is kind of worn off a little bit. These moments have a purpose. These moments have a purpose to bring us back to recognize what God has done for us already. Sometimes we need to have these moments where it's like, man, I don't feel like this amazing presence of God all the time because in those moments, that's where God is telling us, hey, we need to step back. We need to take a break and we need to recognize and thank God for what he has done for us in the past. And this is what happens with Peter. As soon as the angel leaves him, he says, now I know that it is the Lord who has rescued me from Herod's clutches. You know, I look back to my time in my daughter's bedroom as as I'm freaked out. And it was one of those moments where it's like, I've heard people preach that God is a a provider, but man, I need him to provide for me, right? In that moment, it's, it's not this cloud nine experience where it's like, God is just so good. In that moment, it's like, man, I need God. And it was in that moment where I recognized that there's so many other times that God has come through. So why not put my faith in him again? And this is what God is speaking to us through this story. 
is that, yes, this, this prison break is amazing. We are seeing the power of God, and Peter is experiencing it firsthand. But what God wants to speak to us today through this story, this whole story hinges on, on these couple of verses, that we all need a snap back to reality moment. We all need to come back to ourselves and recognize that God is the one who makes everything happen. Me getting out of my little financial hole, it wasn't me. It wasn't me saying, okay, Maddie, let's not spend any money this week because we had to spend money that week. It was God providing for us with little financial gifts that came in the mail anonymously. When I look back at the time that I got saved and I think, man, I was so lost. I was, I was smoking weed almost every day. I was drinking. I was, I was so insecure, so frustrated, and I just had to come to God. It was not me who made me righteous. I just had to come to God and say, God, I can't do this anymore. I had to recognize that I was weak. I had to humble myself and say, God, I need to follow you because following me isn't working anymore. And this is what God is trying to speak to us in the story is that there are so many good things that are happening and it's so easy to say, well, I did it, right? It's so easy to say, well, man, our finances are better now. Well, it's because I set a better budget. Well, yeah, God might've given you that opportunity to set a better budget, but God is still providing for us. What God is trying to say is that we must never take pride in the things that he is doing in our lives. Because while the story is so great and while the story is so encouraging and it's amazing to see the power of God and, and Peter's experiencing it firsthand, there's another side to the story that doesn't always get told because it's not so encouraging. <laughs> Actually, this story of Peter breaking out of prison, it ends with death. King Herod, who is the one who arrested Peter in the first place and put him in jail, this is what it says in Acts chapter 12, verses 21 through 23. It says, on the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. The people shouted, this is the voice of a God, not of a man. And immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. Are you encouraged? <laughs> right. It was amazing because I... When I, when I read the story as I was preparing for the sermon, I completely forgot about the end of the story. <laughs> and for good reason, because nobody wants to read that. But what, what God is trying to say through this is that God hates pride. While God is an all-loving God and he's for his people and he wants to provide and take care of each and every one of us, there are things that God hates. And one of them is pride. And God hates pride not only because it takes away from his glory and, and his credits, and sometimes we take credit for things that he did, and that's pride, but God knows what pride does to your soul. That's why God hates pride. God knows what pride does to your heart and to your mind, that you can, be so, you can become so puffed up, you can become so arrogant, and everybody around you is going to be affected by it, and your whole life is going to be affected by it if you don't humble yourself before God. God does not want to see us ruin our lives by becoming prideful. And so God hates pride. And this is exactly what happened to Herod. People started shout, shouting to him, this is not the voice of a man. This is the voice of a God. And he basically said, yes, it is. I am a God. Bow to me. And this is what people thought the emperors in Rome were. But as, as soon as he took credit, as, as soon as he became prideful and allowed that praise to come into his life, the Lord struck him down. And I'm not saying that, you know, God's going to smite us when we become prideful and you're going to die by worms, right? I'm not a prophet, so we can all breathe a little bit. We can all relax. Um, but what I am saying is that God hates pride. 
And Peter knew this. You know, Peter, when he was broken out of prison, it's a powerful story. But if we follow the life of Peter, it becomes an even more powerful story. When Jesus had just met the disciples and they were on one of their first traveling journeys that they were going on, they were crossing, they're fishing and crossing over the Sea of Galilee. And a great storm, right, comes up. We see this in the book of Matthew. A huge storm comes up and the boat is crashing against the waves and the disciples are so worried that they're going to die. And all of a sudden Jesus shows up and he's walking on water. And it's this amazing moment, like who in the world is that guy walking on water? <laughs> and then they, they realize that it's Jesus. And so Peter says, he says, Lord, if it is you walking on water, tell me to come out with you and I will. And Jesus says, come out. And so Peter gets out of the boat and he starts walking on water with Jesus. It's this amazing moment, but here's what happens in the story. As soon as Peter takes his eyes off Jesus and he starts paying attention to the wind and the waves, he gets fearful and he drops. He drops into the water and he starts drowning and the disciples pull him out. They get back on the boat and Jesus says, why did you doubt? Because it's so easy Even Peter knew it's so easy to stop relying on Jesus and start realizing your situation. It's so easy to stop relying on God in your life and start relying on yourself. This is why this story is so transformative because as Peter is broken out of prison, he is just willing to follow God. And if it is God breaking him out, he's willing to just follow it. And then he comes at this moment where he's like, this is God working in my life. And so what I want to call us to do this morning is I want to call us to recognize What is God doing in your life? Even if you don't feel like your faith is super strong right now, even if you feel like you're not close to God right now, even if you don't feel like you're on that cloud nine experience with God right now, you don't have to be on a spiritual high moment, a spiritual high life right now to recognize what God has done for you, how he has provided for you, how he has sustained you, how he has broken you free from certain prisons how he has broken you free from certain addictions and from certain insecurities. God has done so much good work in our lives and he deserves all the credit and all the glory. And it does us so much good to stop and give thanks and to recognize that he is good, that he is the one that makes us righteous, that he is the one that makes us perfect, that he is the one who has saved us and provides for us and sustains us every single day. It does us no good to walk through life and think I did this or I did that or look at what I have done. Peter recognizes that his fate was death. He would have never gotten out of that prison by his own strategy, his own power, his own doing. It had to be a work of God. And in my own life, I've seen my own salvation as I'm sitting on the the floor of my basement bedroom and I'm crying out to God to save me. There was nothing I could do to make myself good. There was nothing I could do to make myself right with God. It was God's power, it was God's work, and it was God's doing in my life. As I'm sitting on my daughter's bedroom floor, and I'm recognizing that I'm in a financial hole and I need help, I need some providing, I'm recognizing that, man, it is not by my power. There's nothing I can do over the next week to help my finances. There's nothing I can do over the next week to make extra money. I got work, I got a house to take care of, I got stuff to do. God, you are going to have to do it, and he did. There are so many stories in my life, and I bet if we looked at our own lives today, we can see so many areas of our lives where God has come through, where God has protected us, where God has healed us, where God has sustained us. And this is a great spiritual practice that we need to do on a daily and weekly basis. We need to kind of come back to reality, just like Peter did. We need to come back to ourselves. We need to recognize reality. 
Where has God been working in our lives? And so as we close this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to do this. And this is going to be a little bit weird. We do this at youth group all the time, but not so much with adults. But what I want to do is I want it to be silent in here for about a minute or a minute and a half. And I want to give you an opportunity to just sit with God and praise God for what he has done in your life. Maybe you've got to think back to a moment three days ago or a moment three months ago or a moment three years ago, maybe 30 years ago. That's older than me. <laughs> but maybe there's a moment that you can remember where God has pulled you through where God has gotten you through. And I want to give you an opportunity to reflect on that and to praise God for that moment, to praise God for who he was and for who he is in your life. Then I'll close this in prayer. So let's pray silently. God, we come to you this morning, Lord, as your humble servants. Lord, we believe in you and we trust you and we want to follow you. We want to love you. We want to pay attention to what you're doing in our lives. And Lord, as we read the story of Peter, we recognize, Lord, that this whole story Father, there's such a great miracle that happens. Lord, this whole story hinges on, on one very fact. Lord, that you were the one who broke Peter free. And it's amazing to see Peter's faith and that he was able to stop and recognize, Lord, that you had done the great work. You had done the work to free him. So, Lord, I pray that we would all be challenged. I pray that we'd all be convicted, Lord, to, to stop our lives sometimes, to stop our days and just recognize your goodness, recognize your provision. Lord, that there are times where we are so weak. There are times where we cannot get ourselves through. There are times where we are not strong enough. We are not good enough. And Lord, that's okay because you are. So Lord, help us to reflect on those times, look back on those times, because Lord, when we do, they strengthen our faith. They give us the ability to move forward, to recognize, Lord, that what you have done in the past, you will do it again. What you have done in the past, Lord, you will continue to do because you are a promise keeper. Lord, we might not always be blessed financially. We might not always be blessed with this or that. And Lord, our lives might not look like the person next to us. But Lord, through everything, the greatest blessing that we have is your presence. And we know that there's not a day that goes by. There's not a moment that goes by. There's not a circumstance that happens to us, Lord, where you have left us, where you have abandoned us, or you have forsaken us. So Lord, in this moment, may we thank you and praise you that you are not a God who leaves your people, but you are a God who loves your people. Lord, we call you Emmanuel because you are with us. Lord, let us never forget the moments that you are working. And let all those moments that we see you working, let all those moments where we've seen you come through, where we've seen your mighty hand, where we've seen your mighty power, Lord, may they give us strength to keep going another day in our faith, to rely on you even more, to put our strength and our faith and our hope and everything, Lord, in you. We recognize that there are so many things that we cannot do. But Lord, your word says that nothing is impossible with God. And so help us walk in that. Help us walk in that truth and and to take this story to, to recognize, Lord, that you can do anything, but to recognize, Lord, that we need to stop and we need to pay attention because we do not want to miss the moments where you are intervening. Lord, help us give all the glory, all the praise, all the credit to you, Lord. We know what pride can do to ourselves. We know what pride can do to our souls. And Lord, we don't want to live as prideful people. We do not want to be like Herod. Lord, who took all the glory, all the credit for himself. But Lord, we want to be people who recognize your goodness, your power, and your strength in us. Any good thing that we do, Lord, it is you. Any good thing that happens, Lord, in our lives, Lord, it is you. To help us be humble. Help us to recognize your power, recognize your spirit, and to walk in step with who you are. 
It's in your name I pray. Amen.